Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the show that helps you reach your full potential with your host, Lisa Tarmaty, brought to you by lisatarmaty.com. Today, I have another special interview with a very lovely friend, uh, Matt Kalman. Now, Matt is a journalist and he is the author of The Longest Day. And Matt shares his journey today through uh, very bad depression and coming back and using uh, the coast to coast as his journey back to health. So it's a very, very interesting and insightful and really real interview, which I'm really pleased to bring you. Uh, before we get over to Matt, I uh, just want to remind you my book, Relentless, is now out and available on all the platforms on audiobooks, on ebooks, on Amazon, on Kindle. You can find out all about it at relentlessbook.lisatarmaty.com. That's relentlessbook.lisatarmaty.com. Com. I'd also like a word to all the runners out there. If you've been sitting on the fence about joining our online run training club, Running Hot, now's a good time to do it. During the COVID uh, crisis, we have made a special so that it's more affordable for people. Um, we have a 12-week uh, access membership access for 49 US dollars at the moment for 12 weeks, and you get access to all of our programs from 5K up to 100 miles, and we have a very holistic run training approach. So if you've never run before, if this is your first time that you're having a go at it, or whether you're doing your 100-kilometer uh, race, uh, we'd love to talk to you and help you build a very structured plan and a holistic approach uh, based on our five pillars, which are the running, the mobility, the strength, nutrition, and the mindset. So check that out. That's on my website at lisatarmity.com. Now, before I go, please do give this show a rating and review. I'd really, really appreciate that on iTunes if you could. Uh, it really helps the show get exposure. And I love to hear your feedback. If any of the episodes uh, have really touched a chord with you or if you've uh, found great help with us, please share it with your networks and also write to me and let me know. Really, really appreciate it. Right, now over to Matt Kalman. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome back to the show. This is Lisa Tarmody here, and I am with Matt Kelman. Matt, how are you doing? Oh, good. Thanks, Lisa. Kia ora. Thank you for having me on. Oh, it's very, very exciting to have you. Matt is a fellow New Zealand author, and for those of you who don't know, he has written the book The Longest Day recently, very recently, telling his life story, and I'm going to share Matt's story, or Matt's going to share his story with us. There it is, The Longest Day, for those watching on YouTube. Uh, a must-grab book. Um, Matt, I'm, you know, really excited to delve into your story a little bit today into your background and how this book came about and your, your history. So give us a bit of a rundown on, on who you are and where you come from and your family and so on. And then let's dive into your story. Well, I'm, I'm 43 now. Um, I was born in Masterton in a very small town, Masterton. Um, my dad worked there as an insurance man. Um, then got transferred to Christchurch when I was about three years old. So, like, yeah, I, I, I didn't, I don't know Masterton very well, but um, they had their their roots there, uh, a lot of friends there, and then we put down some roots in Christchurch, and that's where I grew up. So I spent um, all the way through to my sort of early twenties in Christchurch, and then I met my wife uh, Ranui when um, I was nineteen and she was seventeen. Uh, she was just finishing up high school, took her to the ball, and. Um, <laughs> Knew pretty early on, actually, after I met Ranui, that, that she was going to be the one for me, um, which is, yeah, a bit of a fairy tale, really. Yeah, it's and, very yeah, lovely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we're still together. We've got a couple of uh, daughters uh, now. Uh, 
uh, uh, 10 and uh, nearly 7, um, two girls, and I've been um, at home with them for uh, the last nine years. So when my when my first our first daughter was about seven months old, um, I left my job as a journalist. I'd been a journalist for a few years at the Dominion Post. Um, was living in Wellington at that time um, with my wife, where she started her legal career. She's now a partner at a at a um, sort of a good sized law firm in Christchurch. Um, and we're living. You know, living the dream, but yeah, it's a, it certainly hasn't been a straight road. Um, life <laughs> has its ups and downs, as you know, Lisa. I've read your book, and I've read about all your ups and downs, and um, yeah, pretty inspiring stuff. Oh, thanks, Matt. Yeah, uh, and, I'm, and I'm keen to delve into your story because you know, I love I love people who share their the real stuff, the the stuff that isn't perhaps pretty, and the stuff that isn't glamorous, mm. and the, the difficult times. And your your story is certainly inspiring. So. Um, Let's start where, where it all went wrong, you know, because this sounds like a fairy tale. You meet your beautiful wife, you have your loving kids, your life's going great. Where did, it all, where did things start to go wrong for you? That's the incongruous thing about all of this, about depression, about how it, it doesn't discriminate. It, it touches people who have had wonderful life like I've had or, and it touches people who have struggled. Um, it doesn't, yeah, it's not really about how good your life is. Um, yes, from the outside, my life was picture perfect. Um, two beautiful children, amazing wife. We don't want for anything. We, we're pretty comfortable financially, um, live in a lovely house in Christchurch in a leafy suburb. Yeah, internally, for probably, it had been years, you know, it was like a tap dripping, slowly dripping, 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 and building up in this internal struggle I was having with my identity, mm-hmm. with um, my direction in life. Um, there were a number of factors. There was There was some sort of, at the time, I had my breakdown in, um, at the end of April 2017. Uh, I'd come off the back of a very stressful situation with, with someone who had um, kind of lied to us um, and taken a bit of money and not a lot of money. But I took it very personally. Coming out of the back of that, I had, a, had some panic attacks late the year before. My first major panic attack um, was off the back of a situation. Um, when I started to realise that things weren't right, and so, but I've been, I've been in hindsight dealing with depression and anxiety, social anxiety for most of my life. So, before I knew what to call it, because I'd always, you know, compared myself with other people, and you look at the worst case scenario, the worst yeah. drink, or the worst person who has suffered um, terrible mental illness, and there's a full range. You're somewhere on everyone's somewhere on the spectrum. So I never thought that I really had a problem with with the time to, to fix or to try and address. So for years, this tab dripped and dripped and dripped. But it finally got to the point where um, I reached my breaking point. And, and that's where the book really kind of begins. You know, the, this, is, this was where my life kind of fell apart and, and I was diagnosed with depression, something that one in four New Zealanders will experience in their lifetimes Mm. it's very very common we don't talk about it but from the time I had my breakdown that was when I started to share and to reach out and actually address it properly yep and I mean this is this is you know like we do sometimes think that because I didn't you know live through this most horrific thing 
therefore I don't have a right to be depressed and mm, depressed anyway. And that's really uh, a dangerous thing, like you say, because then you don't address it, you don't look look out for it. And, you know, having had depression myself and having been at, at, at rock bottom um, a number of times in, in, my, in my life, um, can totally relate to, to, the, to this feeling. So what actually, how did it, um, how did it manifest itself when it really crashed? And, and this is what usually happens. You have a big crash somewhere, eh? Well, basically, I'd, it had been building up for months, weeks and months, really seriously, to the point where I was, I was desperate and feeling really low on myself. I was really irritable, um, which, is, which is a number one symptom. And, and mainly men, like the, this, this anger where it's irrational, you don't really know what it's about, where it's come from, yep. and it bursts out. And so, like, I, I was snapping at the kids and like feeling really bad and apologizing straight away and then um and Rano was sort of aware that things were a bit off you know but she didn't I I mainly hid it from everyone around me and I was just feeling internalizing everything Mm. so I was feeling all this mental strain a lot of it very subconscious and it was just building up on me building up and when it really crashed um I I my my daughters had had their cousins around for a sleepover actually, and so I was under a bit of bit of pressure there, and I wasn't feeling good in myself. And I kind of had a bit of an outburst in front of all the all the kids in the kitchen over breakfast. I went upstairs, <clears throat> and I was just sort of lying back on my bed, really searching for what was going on. I really I was feeling very desperate, and yep. and then. And then I looked over and, and I saw a vision and I'm actually in my bedroom now um, doing this podcast. So I looked over at the ensuite doorway and a vision of myself hanging in the doorway oh. um, dead wow. flashed into my, it, it wasn't, it wasn't even in my mind. It was like a hallucination. It was so yeah. vivid and real that it just scared me straight, scared me awake to, to the real problem that was, that was happening. Wow. Um, and I, it was, it was very frightening. Um, it flashed up and then it was gone, you know, very quickly. And I described this in the book, and that was the moment I reached out. I already had a an avenue for help. I'd been seeing a counsellor um, for for the panic attacks I'd had the year before, but I, I you know, I got through that, mm-hmm. sort of put the band aid on that, which was great. Yep. But um, hadn't really dealt with the the main thing, which was this depression that was coming. Yep. Um, and so I reached out for her and called out for my wife. And from that moment, um, there was there was no more facade of of being okay. Okay, yeah. And, and it had all come down, and and it was just released. You know, it was just. Um, how how was that for a man? I like I know like you know women generally have a, a slightly perhaps easier time of sharing their emotions, and you know how is it for uh, you know good Kiwi bloke to to open up about something like this and you know, even to write about this afterwards, is, is that quite, you know, like difficult? And how's that been? And how's it been received? I think um, for me, it maybe it was a little bit easier for me than for maybe other men who don't have an outlet. Yeah, <clears throat> I'd been a writer, you know, for a long time, a journalist, freelance for a long time. I've been writing a blog about my life at home with the children in the early days, um, the ups and downs of life, a really honest blog about parenting and which was pretty entertaining for people and serious. You know, I touched on some serious topics of miscarriage and, and grief and um, the stresses of being a parent and, and the identity of being a being a, in the workplace and then coming home and not having that anymore. Um, 
and then when I gave up um, alcohol um, in 2016, um, I'd blog. I'd started blogging um, in, in the same vein as, as um, a good friend of mine, a lot of Dan, who who has written books about her sobriety and, and heads up the website Living Sober, which I joined. I'd done an article for the Drug Foundation on her, um, and she inspired me to one of the people that really inspired me to give up drinking and, and just see, you know, awesome. get rid of that that depressant. Yes, exactly. Take that away. But you see, taking that away um, brought the mental health stuff to the fore that was already bubbling away. Yep. I no longer had alcohol to kind of put the Band-Aid on the problem, mm. had to deal with it. So this is a very common thing for people who give up alcohol. They have to kind of deal with life and the war and without without, without that a, thing. Without uh, a support. But to help them. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, so I'm like, probably losing sight of the question now which often happens with me when I go on and on. But um, <laughs> so I, I have been blogging about, I've been doing this daily blog under the pseudonym Soberman365. And actually, if you if you Google Soberman365, the blogs are still up online. Um, I, I blogged for a year, the first year of sobriety, but, but about seven, six, seven months in, it became a blog about more about depression and about, about the struggles I was having. Um, facing up to that stuff. I'd already had the panic attack and that started writing about that. And then then I then I had my big crash and I stopped writing for a period of probably at least a week or a week and a half where I was just trying to get through and, and, yeah. and getting through each moment really. Yeah. And I wasn't able really to do anything. You know, I was I was stripped back and, and I couldn't drive. I I, I couldn't do much more than lie on the couch and, and just try and get you know get through the day and so when I started writing again I re-entered the blog um talking about the depression so being open about it had already happened so when when I decided to write the book you know I knew I knew that writing as honestly as possible was really important so you don't just talk in generalities and let people fill in the gaps I've got my experience I'm not an expert on depression but I'm an expert on my own depression Mm. And in that way, you know, there's this universality of it. Yeah. Um, everyone has a very unique experience and different ways that they can cope and, and get through it. But um, I, I put my roadmap down in the book to help other people, um, you yeah. know, build their own roadmap. So you've, you've um, come through this time and I know that, um, you know, let's move into the part of the story where, you, you know, it's called the longest day for a reason. <laughs> what, 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 what happened there? Well, so so in February 2018, so I'm sort of, I'm through the worst part of the depression, the, the real early days when I'm getting on the medication and, and, and things, you know, I'm getting back to functioning and, and my, my head's clearing, the fog's lifting. Awesome. And I'm starting to look for the challenge, the next thing that I can do. Because basically I stripped all responsibility. I just stopped. I was, being at home, it was actually easier for me. And I, I don't know how people who work do this, but um, Ranui was able to take all that pressure off me and I could just work on my recovery. Wow. And so then I was looking for the next thing to actually do, the next challenge. And um, my friends were finishing the Coast to Coast, which is a race that goes from the West Coast of New Zealand, um, Kumara, Serpentine Beach. And then it goes all the way across the country over the big mountain. And then you're in, down the river, down the Waimat. And then you're cycling back to Christchurch, 70k last bike ride into this terrible headwind on the straightest road, New Zealand, longest straightest road, New Zealand, South Air Road. And you're finishing at New Brighton. You used to finish at Sumner. 
back in the day. Steve Gurney was one of the famous, Kathy Lynch, all these famous, yeah, famous people. Amazing. Braden Curry, Sam Clark now is, is the legend of the race at the moment, four-time winner. Um, and this, this most iconic race encapsulated beautifully between one side of the country and the other. My friends were finishing and I decided to go out for the first time ever to see the finish of this race. I've lived in Christchurch most of my life. Always been kind of captivated by this race, never been physically there. This is the mistake I made. I went to the race. You go to this race and you get drawn into the race <laughs> and you get inspired by all these amazing people. That no, no, half of them don't look like athletes at all. Exactly. They, but they're fit. They're prepared yes. within an inch of their lives and they are all finishing this race. You see what it means to them. You see on their faces the, the struggle, yeah. the joy, the hardship, the, the just getting over all these little struggles along the way to get across the island. Um, and it's, it's, not, it's not a um, sure thing. You, you start this race and you don't know what's going to happen. No. You can prepare for everything, but it gets, stuff gets chucked at you. And this is just like, it's a perfect metaphor for life, this race. So I see my friends finish. I see Sam Clark actually finish. He finished about half an hour before my friends because the, the one-day people, you either do it in two days or one day, for people who don't know about this race. The two-day people start on the second day. The, uh, and Sorry, the one-day people start on the second day of the race. They, the winner and the elite <laughs> people, they pass a lot of the tail end of the two-day field. Insane. So the slower people. And so Sam Clark storms home. I see the winner of the race. I see my friends finish. I see them embraced by their families. They run the last bit with their kids. And I'm like, I want a bit of, a bit of this. This, oh, this is for me. I'm going to – so I decided – I left. I left the the race, um, and I'm biking back to my house, ten k's away in St Martin's. And as I was biking home, um, I already knew I was going to sign up in 2019. That this would wow. be the vehicle I would use to practice um, doing things differently in my life, to yes. approach challenges differently. Because a lot of my problems had been, I've been so hard on myself for things that I tried or not tried. I'd mainly been a spectator on the sidelines of my own life wanting to do some of these things and thinking, no, that's not for me because, God, I know I couldn't do that. Um, and I decided, right, I'm going to do it. If my friends can do this, I can do this. Yeah. And I immediately knew that this was a vehicle for my book because I'd always wanted to write a book since yeah. I was a little kid. So and this, and this it was the perfect storm. Wow. Yeah. In, in sport, you know, like, I mean, <laughs> you, you, you and I have got different but similar stories really. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm less of the elite. I'm sort of, I would now say I'm a, I'm a little bit higher than a weekend warrior, um, but well, I'm still not. kind of just hanging under that elite level. Yeah, well, I'm, that's the funny thing, Matt. I'm totally not elite and uh, never have been. I, or, <laughs> all I've ever done is work for 25 years at something and got, you know, halfway good at it. And well, wasn't that it though, isn't it? Yeah, it's the process, eh? But, but you know, like as far as ability and like, you know, you put me in a race with you. If I had to go for a jog for you, with you, you'd be like, oh, for crying out loud, come on, hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> My husband does it every day, you know, like I'm slow. Um, but that doesn't matter, eh? It's it's the journey that you go on on the inside that's really what's important. And your your story actually reminds me of Charlie Engel's story a little bit, except he was much more extreme, old Charlie. Um, <clears throat> Charlie is, um, he's the one that ran right across the Sahara and he's a good friend. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolute legend of a dude. Amazing. Uh, and, and, and his story was um, well, much more alcohol and drugs. Um, mm. So he yeah he took uh, 
our stories to the other end of crazy, but uh, on both ends of the scale. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> crazy we're bad. on the spectrum, eh? Um, but but this, 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 this theme resonates through so many of our lives. And when we take up a sport that is hugely challenging, whether it's the coast to coast or Death Valley or doing something crazy, it is the hardest thing you've ever done, but at the same time, it's the best, most rewarding experience. And, and it changes your perception of who you are. I mean, I, I remember even like when I met my husband um, at the beginning, he was coming to me for running coaching. And, you know, he wanted to do this charity event running 27 Ks in full BA. Uh, he's a firefighter in full kit, you know, the yellow plastic suits with full BA for charity. And he wanted to know about running in the heat. So who, who better to ask, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Comes to me and, you know, we get teach him and coach him and, and, he, and he does that and he kills it, raises lots of money. Awesome. And he, he always thought that ultra marathon runners, you know, had to be special types of people with super talents and he started when he started to get to know me to realize hang on there's nothing special about this chick she's just <laughs> just bloody <laughs> and it realized that hang on I could probably do this and then his life you know he's gone on to do lots of ultras and so on and this story I've had over and over and over and over again because we set ourselves limitations of what we're capable of don't we and we and yeah. then we think we can't overcome them and you saw in your friends who you considered perhaps equals to you that they could do this, and therefore that was a gateway for you to say, "I." Oh, absolutely, and I think also, like you know, that early on, I when I knew that I wasn't going to be able to do the coast to coast until the end, you know, till till I turned up. So exactly. yeah, so it's not like it's not two hundred and forty three kilometers across a mountain and across the country and down the river. Um, it's a million steps, and so you just start walking towards it and then in that way it's all that process stuff so and that was also a massive antidote to the depression is like depression really does I mean they say the old saying goes that depression lives in the past and regrets and the things that you've done and and things you're holding on to anxiety lives in the future and worries about what's going to happen up ahead um and I had both of those things going on so so the coast to coast and training like you know you've got to be in the moment I've described this many times, hurtling down Evans Pass at 70 k's an hour on your bike. There's potholes all over the place. You, you, it's very much, um, you should, you really need to be in the moment. So, so the coast-to-coast training draws the past and, and the future into the present. And then so, wow. so you, are, you are just soaking up that experience. Like in the past when I trained, I, I would often be beating myself up about, God, I wish I was better, and um, and and I and I'd have pain in my body. I think, God, I wish I wasn't hurting, and and all this stuff, you know, and 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 I'd be just fixated on this little rigid small goal of I have to run a certain time in my half marathon. I, I always wanted to break an hour, an hour and a half, so I could consider myself a good runner. I was like, well, okay. A lot of people would have killed to do do my best time of, exactly. of, of, of an hour thirty one, whatever it was, and so you know. I never quite made that and maybe one day I will. It doesn't matter to me now. It's it's really more about the journey because like all, all that time I spent berating myself and being so hard on myself and then I wouldn't reach the goal and then I would be like, oh, that's just another reason why I'm, I'm, I'm not good ah. enough. You know, all that, yeah, you yeah. know, you know that stuff. Well, a lot of people think like this and like I thought like this all my life but the first thing, um, the first thing I had to fix um when I was recovering from the from my breakdown, was my relationship with myself. So, you're like you know, you talk about you need to like yourself. 
that is really important. Like, but to really truly like yourself and say I'm okay is so powerful. Um, and and it is just a mindset tweak. It's just a shift in mindset to the point of um, from that moment on, you don't care about all that external stuff. You don't care about messing up. You don't care about falling out of your boat. So from that point on, once I fixed my relationship with myself and I and I went into this training, um, like if I'd if I'd been the old man, I would have fallen out of my boat and I would have packed it all up and said, "Fuck it, I'm not going to do it." Oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry. If you, I hope you don't have to edit that out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and it carried me through the year because um, embracing making mistakes and knowing that it was all a learning process and Nothing's perfect. My race, my, my two races I've had at Coast to Coast, neither of them were perfect. No, but there is no such I love every minute of both races. The one, the one which is encapsulated in the book, and then the one that I did this year, earlier this year, um, the best experiences of my life. Because you know, I've, ha- I've I've now gained this massive community of people. I'm so connected now to hundreds and hundreds of people that do this race. Yes, it's opened my life up. Instead yep. of like me going, God, I wish I wish I had more friends. I wish that I had more deep friendship in my life. All that stuff was there all along. But you see, I wasn't being a very good friend to myself. I didn't feel I deserved it. Yep. Now that I that I know that I'm okay, and I realise that, and I'm embracing that, like everything else has just improved. So wow. I still struggle with depression. Um, in fact, two days ago I really crashed again. Like, and it had been building up subconsciously. My, my lockdown experience has been like a dream compared to a lot of people's and like my kids hard. have been it's so hard. wonderful yeah. but yeah like but I haven't I need that space I need the alone time and I need the time to just rest that you know when the kids yeah. are at school if, if I'm not doing well yep. you know I yep. say right it's okay for me to rest because I need to do that or there's certain strategies I put in place and I haven't been able to do that yep. so it built up to the point where it just all came out and 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 I was like the irritability and the anger and the just feeling so low and just the brain fog was back. And but I've been here before, lived yeah. experience. I know it passes. Um, and then yesterday I signed up and did a yoga class at nine a.m. to just get my day rolling in the right way. And and just um, yeah, like it's true. Like you're home. I'm homeschooling. I'm not a teacher. I'm homeschooling my kids here. Like I'm trying to be really relaxed about it. We're not alone in this battle. I think there are many, there are many oh parents God. sitting out there going, "Hell yeah, I get you." <laughs> I get hey, you. Hey, do your best, eh? Like it yeah. doesn't matter really. The bigger picture is that you're okay, yeah, and that everyone's happy, and that you know. But in the moment, you know what? And I, what I find powerful about that is that sometimes people look like you've written a book. I've written the three books. Um, people think you've got it all together now. You've written about it and you're all together and you're you're on top uh, of it and nothing could be further than the truth. We're, we're all on a journey and as you said before, there's a spectrum and there's a, you know, we're all improving our mental health. And um, I've been doing a lot of study lately on functional genomics and looking at uh, genes and your predisposition to certain mm. ways of, uh, you know, how long adrenaline stays in your body, how fast the dopamine is, take, um, is processed, all of these chemical uh things that actually have an influence which i'd love to talk to you about actually separately on, on, on that topic yeah. um when you once you start to understand your genes i think that all um and what you can do to to help support that um that will be a, a really another great thing to, to to have in your toolkit um but yeah, yeah talk it love it yeah talk it we need toolkits this is yeah, a yeah, yeah. like every yeah. time i go through a, a horrible experience and hard times i really have a little bit more 
that I can use. It can, it can either break me, and there have been things that have nearly broken me, and where I thought I was broken, and that was it. But you know, managed to stand up. And then when you do stand back up, you've got another tool that you've been mm-hmm. able to overcome. And this is why this story is so powerful. Um, and I really encourage people to go and get the book, The Longest Day. Uh, mine's on its way, and I'm looking forward to to diving into it and, and getting into the story. Um, and and, and really, if, if this if this interview, you guys sitting out there listening to this, if this is resonating with you, what's Matt saying, um, and you think that this could help, you know, go and grab that book, The Longest Day, check it out, see what Matt's all about, and and see if if there's something in there for you that can help you. Mm-hmm. Like we write these books because we're just sharing our life stories. And we're not experts necessarily, but the, the value lies in the in the in being open, sharing honestly, and in giving other people a new perspective on this the crap that they're going through. Because sometimes you cannot see the forest for the trees when you're in the middle of it. Yeah. You can't yeah. see. And another thing it's just you, right? Yep. Yeah. That, that your experience is 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 unique, but it is really quite universal. And the more you share about what's happening for you, then then you're giving other people permission to to um feel connected but also to share about back to you like so you you get back what you reflect oh. out and um i I've, I've shared what's going on with me with a lot of people perfect strangers and like within 20 seconds of meeting a perfect stranger i've gotten really good at being able to just sort of yep. segue into a real deep conversation and yep. that's really wonderful actually because you know we're we're all we're all sort of wandering around the planet aimlessly and then we collide with each other and, and we can make these really kind of amazing connections. And you don't have to be the best friend of the person. You'd leave them, you might never see them again. Yep. But you've both felt quite special, eh? And then you feel connected um, and like going around being, I mean, we have to with our professional hats on and at work and so on, be a certain way and so on. Well, I don't have to because I'm a stay at home dad. So I'm, I'm the most unprofessional person. <laughs> but this is the thing, and this is why I think we're both, um, you know, we, we're both captains of our own ship because I don't go to work either. <laughs> I work my ass off, but I don't go to work. Yeah, yeah. Um, is that I can be who I am, and that is the most precious thing to me. And I can be the real person and not the person that, you know, people want me to be, you know, at least most mm. of the time. You can just be you and, and, and you can connect. And this is what the other thing that sport does. And when you're out doing the, the you know, the coast to coast or, or an ultra marathon somewhere, you go through so much shit in that period of time and so much hardship and so much pain and so much doubt and so much whatever and the preparation and everything that the person that's running next to you or your crew or whatever the case may be, they're going through it with you and they're experiencing it. And that creates a bond that can that is deeper than what the normal bonds when you just go to have coffee with your friends. You know, and, and, yeah. and it's like, you know, when soldiers go to war together and they come back they have a bond that I don't think we as outside people can ever actually understand because they've got crap together. Um, And there is a a beauty in that, even though it can be hard at the time, there is a beauty in that as well. And having those deep connections with other humans is a real human need. And, um, you know, we, we sort of sometimes think we can be lone wolves and we can, I mean, I used to definitely try and be the lone wolf and I don't need anybody. And I'm, it was only because I was hurting, you know, it was only because I, didn't have that connection that I really sought and needed um and, and you do dumb things then you know um Matt I know we've, you've got a, an appointment to get to and I've got another coaching session to do 
I would really like to continue this conversation, you know, maybe in a, in a second part or, or yeah. um, a little bit later on because I think it's That's great. it needs to, to be really explored. So where can people buy the book? Where can they find out about you and your blog and, and all the other work that you're doing, Matt? So, so the book's published by Alan and Unwin. Um, I did hear from them that, that while they're not fulfilling orders at the moment, um, but when that starts back up again, you can order it. Yep. Um, online you just you just um google the longest day matt kalman um and it, all the online links pop up you can get it for kindle on amazon and for e-reader on ebooks.com um which is another instant way to be able to read it in the lockdown yeah, and a lot of people both good have done that yeah so yeah, ebooks uh, and do you have a website matt that you personally have yes uh, mattkalman.com uh, so m-a-t-t-c-a-l-m-a-n Com. And there's a link there actually to, to buy the book um, exactly. yep. and plenty of information. You can see all my photos from my, my racing and falling out of kayak days, which um, will continue. <laughs> it's all right. I wouldn't even know how to sit in one, <laughs> one of those race ones. Oh, like, you should. Oh, you haven't lived until you've sat in a kayak for the first time. My God. Oh, God. Oh, they're so skinny. They're so skinny. Yeah. Hey, Matt, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today. I really appreciate it. Um, it's um, been an honor to have you on and uh, to meet another fellow author, you know, and doing, doing cool stuff in the world. So thank you very much for your time today. Oh, thanks so much. It's been great. That's it this week for Pushing the Limits. Be sure to rate, review and share with your friends and head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatarmaty.com.